Hey, Dennis, back in action after a week of uh, the US Open. It's what a week it's been. First of all, I want to congratulate you on starting a Facebook page for people to check out called the Tennis Enthusiast. So you're, you're getting going in the tennis space again, which is nice. So check that out, people. Thank you, first of all, and, and hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, I, I started this one, and, and you inspired me a lot. And, and I just wanted to say thank you for, for uh, like giving me the belief. It's quite nice to, to have my own page. I don't know where it's going. It's just more about like you know talking about tennis, which, which is always fun, as you, you say. So that's, that's basically it. And yeah, about predictions, we aren't so bad. I think uh, if we look at the biggest surprises, uh, if we start with the men's side, Felix Ogeraliasim and Stefan Tsitsipas, they both are out. Uh, it was a bit strange, the Tsitsipas thing, I think, because he was down 6-love, six 6-1 six or something in the first two sets against Galan. And I'm not sure what happened, whether he had a stomach ache or something, but it was, it was a strange match. And then he won the third set, and in the end, he lost anyway. I, I haven't seen the match, but... Galan seemed good, even against Davidovich Fekina. I've seen that match, and that was a quality tennis match. Like Davidovich Fekina, he's he's just he's just playing really well. I mean, you know, Fucevic almost beat him, and and again, apologies for all the Hungarians and Fucevic in particular because he played really well. Although against Cressy, there were some signs that something is not right, uh, and and Cressy just. Um, he just forfeited the match. Uh, and after it, there was a final set tiebreak against Davidovich Fekina. But there's like a, an occurring theme as well with Hungarians in tiebreaks. So all the Hungarians almost uh, lost their matches in tiebreaks. And that's just such a heartache. So, I mean, you know, we, we really have to focus on, on like playing a lot more tiebreaks in, in, in the Hungarian um, practices. What I wanted to say is that staff is surprising although we were we weren't really counting on him making it far he was he was saying in an interview that he played like he was uh, close to an amateur i have to admit i haven't watched a lot of galan matches he has a weird technique um and and he has this really short swing and i think he was just literally like closing his eyes and and just going for the shots and that's what i've seen we can sort of see that like felix and steph they're they're chokers aren't, aren't they yeah, I think there is something there. I mean, maybe it's a strong word to say choker, but it's it's mentally there is definitely something missing. I mean, you can say see that the tennis talent is is enormous, right, from both guys. But when it gets down to crunch time, I guess Steph has had a lot more success than Felix at this point. Obviously, he's a bit older, but still. Uh, while Felix, you see that there's an issue, perhaps also with the backhand technically in some situations, but it's also like he... He seems to fade away a bit mentally sometimes, like in Montreal when he just couldn't get a, a game on the board, you know, against Rude and these kind of matches that shouldn't be happening on this level where you you lose like 10 games in a row. That should not be possible for players of this caliber. I think it's you, you haven't seen that from Rafa, Novak, Roger or, you know, other guys a lot. So I, I think that's uh, that's not a great sign. And and they have a big serve. That's the other thing. Both guys have a massive serve. And, and if you take that into consideration on a really, really quick US hard court, like, you know, they're smacking the balls. I, I, would, I still wouldn't call it open because Medvedev and Nadal are just cruising. I know that Nadal had some, uh, some, some harder matches, but, you know, he, in the end, it was really comfortable. 
And uh, Medvedev is going to face a tough test today, which we'll also talk about. Technically, what is weird is that both Felix, I will, I will name Zverev here in this conversation as well, because all three guys are like semi-Eastern. They, they hit their, their forehand really like, you know, with a lot of wrist action and, and that can fail. I know that Felix's forehand can be lights out, same with Tsitsipas. Maybe out of the three, Tsitsipas's forehand is the best, technically. But yeah. it's just it's just a sort of a re- recurring theme here as well. That all like these three guys, because because Verev he has enormous talent as well, and I think he was just a lot better in 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 what he was doing last year. And this year was was pretty good until his um, his uh, unfortunate injury. But. I think that has to go down to that thing that they cannot really trust their forehand. And in the men's game, it doesn't matter how good your backhand is. If your forehand is lacking, just, you know, we're talking about point, point, point 0.1%. And if it's that, if that is lacking, then, then you can actually fall apart. Yeah, no, I I think that's a, that's a good point. I think sometimes with the, different grips and very fast swings like Felix he swings ultra fast it's extremely whippy motion and you see that backfire quite a lot like when he has a slightly off moment or day he's gonna start shanking the ball and that those shanks can be yeah tough on your scoreboard like it's that really gets into your confidence and then suddenly you're you go lose three games in a row and the match is turned around or you're just already losing mentally so uh, yeah these guys Bit tough to see them winning slams at the moment. I mean, like obviously, Sitsipas uh, and Zverev, they have a good chance, and Felix as well. But it's it's not the most clean candidates uh, the way you see it. because mentally you need you need to be so strong mentally to win a slam. That's really the the thing, and physically, mentally, and everything. So if you have these kind of lapses, I think it's going to be tough to go all the way. That's just my my feeling based on this. Yeah, choker is is a is a is a tough use of words because um, you know we're talking about top 10 players in the ATP and, and staff played um, I think a couple of grand stunt finals. Definitely. He played the, uh, the, the French and, and I'm not a hundred percent sure. Did he play the semis in, uh, in down under or was it the final he lost? No, I think semis. Yeah. But still he had one final and, and Zverev has one, one final as well. Yeah. That was the lowest quality final ever in 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 a Grand Slam. Yeah, the, the teams teams were they literally couldn't couldn't hit the ball. I wish that they they will break through because you know now it's a freight train, isn't it? Like if you look at Akaraz, and we haven't talked about Akaraz that much yesterday against Brooksby. Oh my God, he was immaculate i think his movement is the best what i've seen on the tennis court alcaraz is just otherworldly no i agree i saw that match as well and at least big parts of it and i thought i mean brooksby is one of those guys that he uses these old college tricks to piss people off and get them out of their rhythm and so that everyone on the court hates him which i think is is becoming a thing you know he's, he's not the most liked guy but it's working for him on the tennis court he's very smart he plays quite clever tennis you know and nothing outrageous in, in ball striking, but just very clever tennis. But he had nothing against Alcaraz. He was just bashing the ball winners and hitting hard, moving so well. Like, yeah, he has the whole thing. And I think in this case, 
that they make coaching available, I think it also benefits him a bit because, you know, he can build some confidence with Ferrero in his uh, his box. I think that's that's good for him. So it makes him super dangerous actually for the title even like at this point, now that he's breezing through this round, it's going to be a, a thing for sure to stop him. It's not going to be easy even for a Medvedev or a Rafa. So uh, yeah, fun to see him going. It will be interesting against Sinner. Uh, it seems like they, they're going to play next round possibly because now I know that Alcaraz is playing Chilic. And Chilic is playing well. Uh, Chilic is consistent. But I just think Akra is just a level or two levels above. But if we look at the, the matches, you said Sinner, he's playing actually Ivashka. So, I mean, uh, he should oh, yeah. be a very strong favorite to that one. And Chilic is a tougher opponent for Alcaraz, but I still think we have Sinner and Alcaraz, which is our prediction. So that's working pretty well. And if we look at the other matches in the fourth round, Nadal, uh, who has been fighting a little bit, but I think... For Rafa, if he loses a set, it's almost good because he gets warmed up and to fight harder and harder, you know. And I don't think Tiafo is going to cause him any problems. I, I don't see how that's going to happen, actually. it's it's uh, Although he's a talented guy and he's playing in, in New York, I still see it a little bit like a pretty confident Rafa prediction there. Have have you seen um, him against Schwartzman yesterday? I don't know. If no, you, I did if not see that seen... at all. I don't know how he he won in three sets, right? That's what I saw. Yeah, but in the first set, uh, Schwartzman was up five two with double break. I mean, it doesn't really matter with Schwartzman. <laughs> he no. can be up with like I don't know three breaks, and it's still it's not it's still not in the bag. Um, and then he was six three up in the tie break as well. And um, Tiafo was was playing actually quite clever when he was down. When it was like three all, he missed sitters, and that was that was strange to see. So no, definitely Tiafo is good. Tiafo can be really, really, yeah, he can be dangerous for even the bigger, bigger opponents. I sort of think that that Nadal likes this draw more than Schwartzman. Sometimes Schwartzman did cause him a bit of trouble. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think Schwarzman can can run down. I mean, he's so impressive to have a guy who's who's that short comparatively uh, to be actually competing well against the top tennis players in the world. That's very impressive from Schwarzman. But yeah, for, for Rafa, it's not always been a dream opponent, even on clay. So uh, I definitely think that would have been tougher than Tiafo. And after that, uh, we have Cameron Nori, Andrew Rublev, which to me is a completely open match. I don't really see... I mean, Rublev fought through a five-setter and seems to be in a good good spirits. But then Cameron Nori, he seems to have a way to make it difficult for everyone, right? So I've seen the final set of Rublev against Shapovalov, and I'm really happy for Dennis. I am over the moon that he's playing well and, and he's back to his levels. Um, and usually, as, as I was mentioning, usually was in the box of Shapo, and I didn't actually hear about it, that he's back. And it's great that he's back because I think he did the, the best for um, Chapo's game. And Chapovalo was playing really cleverly. I mean, he he hit 80 winners, which, which is even in a five-setter, that's a lot. Wow. Um, and I don't know how many on fours, but, you know, Chapovalov, he's just like that. Rublev was serving for, for the match 5-4 up in, in the uh, final set uh, against Chapo. And then he had two match points. Shapovalov played to 
brilliant points. And and to be fair, uh, Rublev wasn't doing anything wrong, but Shapovalov was playing just, you know, how he can play. But I still haven't felt that Shapovalov can pull this off. So I, I, I felt that Rublev's going to make it no matter what is happening, that, you know, Shapovalov is coming back and he had uh, break points to go 5-3 up and then he would have been serving for it, Shapo. But in, in, in the tie break, again, a few, you know, brain freezes from Chapo and, and he was just pulling them wide and long and, you know, uncontrolled. I still think Nori is, is a bigger favorite. And it's, and it's a shame that Eisner just, um, he just handed a, a walkover to whoever it was. I think it was either the first or the second round. Um, because I, we, we both felt that, that Eisner is going to have a good tournament. And that was, that was such a shame to see him forfeit. Yeah, it was the second round because he won. He beat uh, Delbonis in the first round, I think, and in straight sets easily. And then he was, I was surprised to see him pull out. But yeah, uh, what what can you do? I mean, we also had a forfeit from Jack Draper, who was playing amazing tennis, and he was beating Hachanov. But then he had like he tore his hamstring or something. Something. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think he pulled his hamstring. What I've heard, I, I haven't seen the match, and and he was like literally uh, taking Hachanov apart. It's it's really unfortunate for Draper, and and I'm hope and I'm hoping that he's going to recover really quickly because he's a really exciting young player. And besides that, then we have Medvedev Kyrgios, which is the big blockbuster match happening Central European time at one. So it's not the easiest one to watch tonight, but uh, I guess some people will actually stay up because it's one of the 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 hottest matchups in the in the tournament. Well, no matter what happens after this. So uh, so what's your prediction? What's your feeling around this one? Oh, I think Medvedev is, is too strong now for Kyrgios. And I think uh, Kyrgios will, will face uh, reality tonight because uh, I think Medvedev won't give him an inch. And I think if, if Medvedev is, is solid and stable enough with his ground strokes, then, then Nick can do whatever he wants because his serve is not going to be working that much because uh, you know, Medvedev is, is, uh, is returning from, from the fifth row. So I think I think it will it will be not as big of a, vep- a weapon, and also everyone, please check out the celebration of Nick's. Um, I, I sent it to you, and, yeah. and that celebration is. I mean, that guy, he he is funny now. I think he's he's just pushing it a little bit too much. Although I was all pro Nick, pro Nick. I'm I'm hoping that he will carry on in the same veins as what he's doing now. So he will he will be playing this well, but cut the theatrics just a little bit. Not not all of it because I think it, he's a, a big entertainer. But you know, I I, I would just love to see him uh, honor this beautiful game and and as. Rafa is always saying, Rafa, the goat is always saying, no one is bigger than the sport itself. Please, Nick, try to cut a bit of the theatrics because you know what? It's it's entertaining to a certain extent, but not every match. I think Daniel will be too strong. What what's what's your gut feeling? Yeah, I think that when we, we had this one in our prediction, so like the men's are going pretty well by our prediction means, uh, but it's an interesting head to head. I know that Nick won in um, in Montreal earlier this year. Uh, which is he lost the first tiebreak set and then won easily 6-4, 6-2. But Medvedev didn't really play his, his best there. And now he's looked really impervious. He's been very good so far in his US Open. But in the Australian Open, which I think is a stronger, you know, part of the prediction, Medvedev won 
7-6-6-4-4-6-6-2. And that match, he was in control, right? So that was more of a controlled performance. I think for Nick to win, he would have to play quite cleverly with some serve and volley stuff. Because, I mean, like you said, Medvedev will be way behind the baseline. He would be, you know, you hardly see him on, on the screen. Uh, like Rafa back in the day, you know. So if Nick can utilize that and come in at the right time, he has a good, a decent chance. But otherwise, I think over five sets, it becomes a physical thing as well. And, and Nick is not in the best shape, although he's in better shape than he probably has ever been. But it's still not enough, I think, to beat this guy. The only thing is that he actually beat him in Montreal using serving volley. Yeah, exactly. So that was his tactics, and that was working. I think Daniel now will know what to do with that. So, so you know, he he's a great returner. He, I mean, obviously, you know, the the depth and 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 his position helps him. But I think now it will be a really really interesting opposition in in general. And 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 I do a hundred percent agree that the comparison uh, to the Aussie Open is is a lot better than Montreal. And even if you if you take that into consideration that um, he was playing in front of his home fans, uh, Kyrgios, although he was playing not as well as now, and he will go on with a lot of self confidence because uh, the head to head is three one uh, to Nick. But I think because of the Grand Slam, what Medvedev did in his career and how many times and 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 he knows how to play. I think I think that that is is just stronger. I agree. I think we have that, and we we did predict that. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's gonna be a, a big match. Hopefully, it's a very competitive and fun match. I have liked the theatrics as well, relating to that, but it's uh, it can be a bit too much. I think I, I dislike, let's say, the spitting towards your own box a lot more than the theatrics. I think that part I think is is a bit. But also, I find it this to be a funny thing actually. Like the 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 hatred towards the box and i mean he's not alone with that stuff he is always like directing his anger and frustration towards the box medvedev does it too i mean he's had his coach leave the wife leave several times when he's just being super rude and shouting to them and like showing them the finger pretty much Mari can also be very much a, a whiny towards his box and complaining to the box the whole time that it's their fault that he's not winning a match and i, I find that for an adult, even if it's a professional sport, I find it a little bit silly to go at the box, you know, I mean, <laughs> break a racket or whatever, but start complaining to your coach. I don't know what that's going to help in this case, yeah, but yeah. Nothing, nothing. But yeah, I mean, when I, when I look at the last 16, we did pretty well. We, the, only, the only guy who, who we were expecting there was, was Fritz, who never showed up, who was beat by... Brandon Holt. Brandon Holt, that's the name. Yeah, yeah. thank you. So yeah, and um, and to be fair, yeah, Fritz was apologizing to his fans and and saying that like he he really he really felt good before the U.S. and and you know he he thought that that like if he just sends up the racket, you know, it's gonna win it for himself. And and he's literally the only guy who we predicted to be in the last sixteen and is not there. So. Uh, well done, us. Uh, Ivashka is the only one who no one really knows how he is there. Bless him. He's a he's a he's a good player. You know, I've seen him live this year in Mallorca, and, and he's a really solid, flawless technique. Nothing is really jumping out at you how good he's doing something. But you know, solid serve, solid forehand, solid backhand. So he's he's a good player. But you know, no one really expected that. 
And the other one is Corentin Moutet. I like watching him because, I, I mean, I always, always like to see the emotions on the court. But he, yeah, sometimes let the emotions get way the better of him. But he's been channeling, channeling them quite well. And now I think if you look at his opponent, Kasper Ruud, I think it's going to be very tough. Because Kasper is super level-headed. He seems very cool. He doesn't let this stuff affect him. The opponent, that's one of his biggest strengths, I feel. Like, he plays his game. And then, like, he doesn't care so much about what the opponent does. And I don't, I don't know if you've seen, but he was a lucky loser. He he was out of the tournament, and now he's in the last 16. Facing, possibly, I would say, not the toughest match. But, you know, Rude was amazing against Tommy Paul. I was really impressed by him. Uh, to be fair, Tommy Paul was throwing the kitchen sink at him. It was It was crazy to see... He just got tired. That was that was Tommy's uh, third five setter. It's yeah. it's it's a lot of miles. It's a lot of miles in your feet. So uh, he just couldn't couldn't fight in the fifth. But Rude was solid. His forehand is immaculate. It's it's one of the best, if not the best, on tour. And his backhand is 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 really solid now. So there's there's not like with Berrettini that you know if you're like constantly going on Berrettini's backhand, he's he's gonna be slicing after a while. With Rude, you don't know that he's just gonna go back, 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 back. But he's you know fifth seed, so he's 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 a solid top tenner. And and as you said, he's sort of a sleeper. He's always there. He, you mm-hmm. always can bet on him, and you know that he's he's gonna turn up. And yeah. Carreno Busta, he's the other one who's who's uh, who's who's playing unbelievable against Demi Nora. He was he was just great, and he won his match with a tweener. <laughs> yeah, the tweener lob. I saw that it was pretty famous, and then I think the reaction summarized tennis in the perfect way because he was like you know jumping with joy and. Uh, Deminor was breaking his racket on the ground, which is rare you see them do it on match point, but I can understand losing the losing it with a, like a tweener lob. And there was a lot of like a fun exchange and a fun rally, but that makes it even more yeah. emotional when you lose it. So well done, Karin Busta. And against uh, Karen Hachanov, I, I have a feeling that he will win, although it's a bit more open maybe, but but he is the informed player there. I think he's coming uh, through in four. Um, if if Hachanov is playing lights out in one of the sets, uh, he might take it. And you know what? If it's Karenu Busta against Medvedev, it will be an interesting match. It can go the distance, and and it can anything can happen. Like Karenu Busta is playing his best tennis of his life, and that one is a lot of tennis. All right, so over to the women's, and that's been a crazy tournament so far. We had uh, a big celebration of Serena as the goat of women's tennis that was pretty nice to see she did well i would say she managed to win two matches and in the end ayla tomjanovic was playing really her best tennis in i think her life possibly to to beat serena and in a tough match there so it was kind of a, a fitting farewell i think now that she is leaving the sport we'll see i mean obviously you have a tendency for some people that they they retire and then they come back and we saw kim Kleisters come back and retire again and I think we've seen that before. But in this case, I do doubt that she's going to come back. But who knows? Uh, women's tennis seem a bit more prone to players thinking that they can hack it on the on the tour. Um, but yeah. And you know, if, if, if you think about it, like Pleister's won um, uh, her third US uh, when she came back. So, but she was, she, she wasn't over 40. So that's, she, she came back again, again this year. And, and Hingis, when she came back, then she won still millions of, of, of different Grand Slams. So in, in doubles, obviously. 
she was saying that never say never. It was great that she won uh, two matches. It's great story. And she even had some chances against a really well-playing Tomjanovic. And, and the last game was absolutely heroic, wasn't it? it? There was like, I don't know, 15 deuces and, yeah. and at here and there. It was it was great. I didn't have the feeling against Kontaveit. I didn't have the feeling in her first round. I thought she's going to pull through on the first round and and because uh, um, it, it wasn't the easiest of games, but she still managed to win. I just somehow felt that Tom Janovic has a bit too much stability for, for Serena. And that just shown through. So um, well done. Not really well done to us because we didn't have a clue on who's going to do what in the women's game. We got a few right, though. So we are not that horrific. The more I'm looking at it, it's not too bad. Like we, the players that we predicted would go this far include Shriontek. Obviously, she's been pretty solid, like no real hiccups. And against Julia Niemeyer, I don't see it happening either i think she will go through that pretty easily we did say that kvitova was gonna go far and she has been playing really well and and another pick we had or we talked about muguruza she beat her yesterday in a really tight match pretty decent prediction Uh, jessica pegula is not completely out of this world that she's there so pegula kvitova is, is a tough tough one to predict i would say uh daniel collins yes we thought osaka i think the osaka was the one we thought would go further. Obviously, with Osaka, you don't really know. And Daniel Collins was a very tough opponent. So that we got wrong. That was just in in like brackets anyway, because we were just saying if she beats Collins and she didn't. Uh, it was yeah. a good match, though. I think I think one set went to a tiebreak or it was 7-5. So it, it, was a, it was a strong... I think Osaka really has to take the positives from this. And she should just, uh, she, she said it afterwards that, that she shouldn't be really overthinking everything. She's the kind of person, I mean, you could always see that she's, she's always overthinking everything. And that's why she is, uh, I mean, this is, I think, the first season for the last four years when she's not finishing with one Grand Slam, which is really impressive. So if you think about it, it's great. She will be back to winning ways, I'm sure of it, because she has absolutely all the tools to make it so i think i think it's great pagula i i really fancy her i, I think she is really solid this year and i think i think she will be be Kvitova. uh but yeah uh, good matches anyways on the the top half it's a lot of good players yeah sabalenka has been going through the draw and talking about halep i mean the first match was a bit of a shocker because she played this uh daria schnigur or how you pronounce it, but it with a very strange forehand. It's, it looks like she was scooping the ball with a continental grip. It looked really pretty awful. Tech from a technical point of view, that a player that is a pro player hits a forehand like that. It was semi-effective, I must say, or very effective in this match because it was very flat ball and Halep was just running around like a rat and trying to get things back, but it didn't really. <laughs> work uh and yeah it was pretty sad to watch because i i don't think that loss should happen for a player of halep's uh, kind of skill level but yeah it happened and and Schneeger played played well but still with with that technique i don't know we were uh texting each other like what is happening like what what is that technique although when we say this she won um a junior Wimbledon uh, two years ago, or or maybe even junior US, uh, one of them. So she she won one of the junior Grand Slams, even with this technique. I mean, her serve was as weird 
or ineffective or I don't even know how to put it as as literally a, a pretty mediocre amateur players and she still beat Halep. One thing what I wanted to say about again um, about Sabalenka is that she was a set and five one down in her second round match. Against who did she play? Do you remember that? Uh, let me check. Let me check because that was that was something else. She was playing Kaya Kanepi and uh, Kaya was up 6-2-5-1 and then uh, Sabalenka uh, pulled it through 7-6 and it was 10-8 in the tiebreak and then it was a 6-4. But Sabalenka with her unbelievable lights out tennis can still, you know, it's a 50-50 against Collins. Um, I'm I'm not going to predict anything anymore. We had Caroline <laughs> nah, Garcia go through uh, and she's playing really, really well. Uh, she beat uh, Andreescu with dropping only five games, which is a good sign. So she's still hitting the ball well. Uh, Ons Jabor, we mentioned in our predictions, she's still in the draw. Kudrymetova, I think she will defeat. Uh, that's my, my feeling. Uh, the only one we forgot to mention, which is actually a pretty talented player, uh, is Samsonova. Uh, but uh, if Tomjanovic plays like she did, I think she will will go through that one as well. But the one that is a little bit of a, of a sleeper, and we did talk about that, is, is Coco Goff. So, I mean, she's playing really well. She looks super confident and ready to go. I mean, she could technically win the event now. Like, it's not a completely crazy prediction to say that so um yeah and she's playing the chang which i think should be in her favor so uh Coco Goff can, yes. can be tough. although uh, when you say that i my prediction which i said after second round when halep was out and shiontek i mean shiontek is playing well but um in a way virtual final is garcia against uh golf that is gonna be fireworks fireworks because uh, Garcia is playing so well I mean she should be like if if we think about it everyone's year I think she had the best year of all the women apart from Shantek obviously who had like the 32 and zero in the beginning of the year but but Garcia's second uh, half of the year was the best out of all yeah good point yeah that's gonna be a, a big one so we have some really exciting matches and I think it's it's still pretty open, but if you look at it, there are some pretty famous names as well. So it's not been like a completely unpredictable. It just felt very strange after the first couple of rounds when we had the Halep loss and Osaka, which was not that nuts, really. I will say it's going to be either Garcia, Goff, or Shiontek. That's that's my thing. And I, <laughs> I would just say these three names. If I would have to pick one, I would say Garcia. But I think it's going to be one of those three who will win it. Yeah, I agree, actually, with that prediction. Those are the three strongest names. I mean, Sabalenka, if she get, pulls everything together, could be a threat. But I would say the, those are, I'm pretty confident about those names. I think maybe Goff could, could take it, but it depends. She's playing Garcia in the next round if they go through. So that's going to be, like you say, a possible final. One player that's playing really well is Azarenka, and she's meeting Pliskova in the fourth, fourth round. That's a tough one. Uh, hard to say there. Two two pretty veteran players on the WTA tour uh, with some accolades. So for me, very difficult to predict. But yeah, she has a, a chance, but not to win the title. Neither of them, I think, is is ready to win this title. But they they can win one or two matches more for sure. Yeah, um, and the other thing is what I wanted to talk about. We we didn't have the draw of the uh, doubles in either 
uh, of of um, the men's or the sorry the women's or the men's, no. uh, and now they are out. And obviously, there were a few matches which has happened. And I just uh, want to say um, about the doubles draw as well. There were some quite interesting matches in the first round. And now they're in the last 16 as well, in the men's and women's as well. Almost all the big names are still in. So like Mekic Pavic and, and uh, obviously Kokinakis and Kyrgios and Farah Kabal and Ram Salisbury. So, so good names in the men's and uh, in the women's as well. Again, um, Coco Goff is out in the doubles. So she can, she can focus on the singles. Uh, and there's, again, quite a few interesting names like Shures and Kravchik are in, Ostepanko and Kishinok. I hope I'm pronouncing it well. And also Mladenovic and Garcia. So in, in the women's draw as well, most of the favorites are still in, uh, apart from Kokogov. Uh, and she was playing with Pegula, I think. Yeah, I saw I saw part of their first match actually, uh, which uh, yeah. was against Fernandez. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, the, yeah, Daria Seville and yeah. um, and Leila. Some very interesting teams. If you want to follow doubles, I I have this Eurosport player subscription, so you can actually jump between the courts, which is pretty good. You can pick whatever you want to watch. So if there's a, if there's anything interesting, uh, if we're talking about gear briefly. I think there's not been that much in terms of rackets from what I've seen. Corda has has switched from 1820 to 1819, which is a similar string pattern to Djokovic and Medvedev. So that's yeah. a pattern that's becoming more and more popular, which is quite interesting. So he's had some tweaks to his frame, uh, possibly together with Roman Prokes, uh, who is like very well in touch with Agassi. So I think that makes some some logical sense. We'll see what that can do to his game. It's out of this tournament, so... Not much evidence there. Agassi was playing with 1819 as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, but quite a different, like I know he played with an oversized frame. But I think he's yeah. he's a big fan on t- of tweaking with the frames a bit. Like when he worked with Djokovic, the, the frame was tweaked. And uh, now he's been working with Cordite, the frame is, is tweaked. So I think that's that's interesting. I will see what it does. Some outfits have been interesting to note. Uh, I was sent uh, an article about from coach Evan who writes for tennis nerd and I do some um, some vlogs with sometimes about box training and stuff and he he noticed uh, Brooksby's banana shoes which were uh, pretty ugly in my my opinion uh, but there has also been like you you said about Sitsipas uh, the Adidas seemed to have lost uh, the plot a bit the last couple of months or, or this year because it's been a lot of weird decisions Two two things. Uh, one is Tsitsipas's his outfit was outrageous. I mean, in a way, it's it's good for Adidas that they they just seen their main player go because that was ugly as heck. And the other one, um, I I never understood Zverev's sleeveless either. I don't know why he got that sleeveless shirt. Like he is, you know, he's tall, he's slim. It looked good on Rafa to a certain extent. I mean, I'm 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 not really into these sleeveless shirts for tennis players because I just don't get it. Nike's outfits are nothing special. They usually come out guns blazing to the U.S. Like you know, beautiful outfits. The only the only thing which is quite memorable is Rafa's outfit with his uh, you know pink uh, thing and and his red shoes. Red and pink is a bit sort of questionable decision, but. But it's it's okay. It looks it looks fairly flamboyant in a good way. 
Yeah, Rafa plays it pretty safe generally, or they know his style and what he likes and what he looks good in. So I think that's a safe bet. And then the other collections is generally that they have to... I mean, they designed that collection with thinking of Rafa and people will buy it just because Rafa wore it. So it's, a, it's like a huge uh, billboard in, in terms of, of like uh, selling tennis apparel. But then with the Adidas players, like I saw uh, Muguruza, she had this dress on, which I don't know if it's a singer or whatever. It's some really... Uh, weird design decisions and, and looking back earlier this year I, I made some videos about their there's like they had these shorts that look like someone took a shit in them you know this, they made some <laughs> I don't know if they just want to make stuff ugly so that they stand out but it's been very very bad I think overall from from Adidas uh, Dominic teams pretty regular polo like we talked about last time that that was pretty pretty safe but the stuff that they try a bit, it's wow, man, that's a lot. It's it's just crazy. And and we we talked about a few guys, like, you know, um, there's Bidi Badu and there's um oh, I wanted to say Molchan, Alex Molchan, who's who's a, a player to watch. The only problem is that he is one seven three, I think. So he's like five eight, mm. something like that. But he he is coached by Vida, Marian Vida, which is which is really interesting. Now he's top fifty, I think. So he's he's actually playing very well. I've seen him this year in Wimbledon and 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 he was beaten by Fritz, but it was a really good match. So I think Molchan has has a lot of tennis in him. It's just more about like trying to utilize it. But I wanted to talk about his outfit because Bidi Badu is always like that. It's absolutely crazy. Like whatever looks the ugliest, they just put in a shirt and a short, and that's that's it. And the other thing is Hydrogen, Vucevic, and Korea, and Karatsev. Those are the three memorable names from the men's side. And there's Yatchenko in the ladies. I think it's not the worst this time with this uh, Stars and Stripes sort of thing. Although they are an Italian brand. Yeah, if they do the US Open um, theme, which is, I mean, like they did a, a black one. I saw Federico Correa get trashed by uh, Alcaraz. Uh, in a pretty good-looking outfit. I mean, this is all obviously subjective, so we're just giving our personal opinions here. But but yeah, I think some things are generally pretty easy to reach some consensus on. Uh, but yeah, they 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 sometimes go a bit too far, and, and a skull is not always the. It's a bit done in pretty many things, I would say. But at least some of their outfits look really good. And I've heard from from my friend Hendrik, who who uses this stuff. He he actually says the quality is very good. So. It's made in Italy. I mean, I, I just I just finished my dissertation and, and obviously hydrogen was in it because I was talking about like uh, startup uh, sports brands, tennis brands, and hydrogen was in it. And another brand which I wanted to talk about, which which looks okay. I mean, I think I think I mean it's it's Andy who actually comes up with it's Castor, which is a yep. British brand, and and a lot of people were asking me like what is this and where are they coming from? And their rise is, is something which to, to talk about, but we will, we, we, I'm pretty sure we will talk about it later as well. Cause that's, that's a quite interesting topic to, uh, to mention, but Castor is, is good quality. Hydrogen is the best quality in my opinion, cause uh, they're made in Italy and they're really, really high quality uh, garments, what they're using. So look out Nike and Adidas, not Lacoste, because Lacoste is just immaculate. I think I think Medvedev's stuff this year is just it. It looks mint. I think it looks really really good. Um, although when I say this, Bautista Agut's um, shirt was mm, yeah, well, could be better. 
I didn't so, see that yeah. one actually. But yeah, I guess Lacoste is, is they they're pretty safe bets generally. Like they have their style and it's easier when they follow the brand. I think for uh, Adidas and, and Nike, they are trying to invent something all the time and that sometimes backfires quite badly. Like, I mean, Adidas, I feel like they don't even have a brand manual that they look at when they design the stuff. It's just like, let's do this. You know, they give it to some designer and they hope for the best, which is a strange decision when you're, you know, selling so much and, and that this is such an important event for them to, to sell even more tennis apparel. So, And that one thing I wanted to mention is, is New Balance, which is a bit off balance in, in what they design, I think, sometimes. Uh, the Coco Golf outfit looks like something from a NASCAR race. And then we had also um, Tommy Paul, who's, who's New Balance. It's not, you know, not my cup of tea. I guess maybe other people would think it looks great, but but it's not mine. It looks like Lego shoes, isn't it? I think the, yeah, uh, yeah. the, the colors are like, like you know, what you what you would imagine as, as Lego. Very, very out there. And that seems yeah. to be a trend, like you going all in on the colors and everything. For the US, they just come out with this crazy stuff. And, and I think, yeah, works to a certain extent. What I just wanted to point out is that Cressy started the season without any uh, gear sponsor. Um, and now he has New Balance as his, uh, his um, clothing sponsor. So that's, that's also an interesting point. Their shoes are really good, like quality-wise. Um, I have the uh, old Laugh Pros, and they're, they're really, really good. And these new ones look how they look. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that they, they are actually really good tennis shoes. Yeah, and I think if, if it's not traditional, I guess there's still some style guides you can follow, even if you want to go streetwear or whatever, you know, it's, it's uh, something. But I mean, I guess it's everyone's taste uh, and maybe they actually have the sales, sales numbers to back this up. But I did find like some shoes to look really strange. It's usually a big thing actually in a slam that you have these collections coming out. And I know there were so many people who used to buy like Fed and Rafa, they used to buy their outfits. And you, would, you would see it everywhere. Like you'd go to a tennis club and you'd be like, yeah, this is from the Federer outfit from 2010 or the famous Rafa, whatever, you know, that seems to be a bit less frequent now you don't see the same apparel like everywhere I, I, I that's my feeling at least when i travel around clubs i don't see that like iconic an iconic set from a slam you know it's not they don't seem to sell as well these sets i'm not sure in hungary it still is a thing like rafa and roger here in the uk i don't really see that here they don't even care what they wear which is really strange in the the like the birthplace of of white clothing for tennis yeah. It's it's strange to see, but yeah, I I, I agree. I, I haven't actually thought about it, but I think since Feder is pretty much gone, and you know what, that was the weirdest. You couldn't even like win Uniqlo stuff, not let alone buy. But there was just like one one shirt and one short in like an outlet in I don't know Kuala Lumpur or something. You couldn't you couldn't buy it. Like why are you you signing Federer for ten years for three hundred million dollars when you're not selling his stuff, his signature stuff? It was really strange for me to see. But yeah, I think I think you're right. It's a dying breed now. Um, these uh, these great matching shirts and shorts, and you know you knew that like. Even even shoes, because every year they were they were changing their shoes, weren't they? Like Nike was coming out with the new, uh, I don't know, cages or vapors or that sort of thing. Uh, that was the same for for like the barricades or the Ubersonics and all that. And now they're just having it for like two three years, which I get because you know sustainability and all that. But yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see some some new shoes. Maybe we're old school, but that's keen to hear from other people if you're you're liking 
some of the outfits you see, but that that iconic factor of you seeing people with this famous shirt uh, that Ralph and Roger used to push and and used to be really popular, I would say. Uh, you're not seeing that anymore in the way I see it when I travel to clubs. We'll see. Maybe when Alcaraz uh, starts moving up even further up the rankings and he gets some cool outfits that they want to push, maybe we will see some kind of rebirth of this. But uh, but who knows? I don't think Adidas can can actually tempt Alcaraz away from Nike because you know he just likes his Rafa traditions, Nike and Babolat. I think they will try everything they can to get Sinner. Because I think we are talking about the the when when the goats are disappearing from the game. Obviously, they want to have one of the big two, like they did it with Murray, they did it with Djokovic. They were both playing Adidas, and then obviously, I know that they lost Djokovic because of some some Serbian sort of contract issues. That's how um, Djokovic became Sergio Tacchini first, and then and then obviously Uniqlo and now Lacoste. So watch this space because I think. Adidas will try to tempt Sinner away from Nike. Yeah, that sounds like a good um, catch for them. Uh, they need some. I mean, I mean, to sell a lot of stuff, you need someone, uh, and that's a marketable guy. I mean, like looking at marketing value, obviously Alcaraz is is stronger than Sinner in the way he gets the crowds behind him. Like, I mean, Sinner is, is fun to watch, but it, it's not really the same charisma. But yeah, if they go head to head, I think there will be like a battle of, of some brands. But uh, we're, we're definitely seeing more and more brands, smaller brands come up as well. So it's going to be a more open hunting season. And you see, like like you mentioned, Castor. I mean, obviously the guys with a lot of money, they they want to be part owners of the brand. Like uh, Andy is a part owner of Castor. I think that makes sense. I mean, obviously has a huge incentive in, in the company's growth. And uh, Federer, obviously, in this on their own shoes. Just uh, that Sock was playing the on-running shoes. I mean, he he had to pull out. He was he was leading Schwartzman, and he had to pull out. So that was an interesting one as well, because uh, he had to uh, forfeit his match. But he was he was rocking the on um, on-running tennis shoes because obviously he's playing in Lululemon, uh, which is also Leila Fernandez's um, mm-hmm. sponsor. And I think it might be that Layla, I'm not 100% sure on Layla's shoes choice, but I think I might have seen Layla playing in the on. Let me check. Okay. On running is really trying to get as, as, as much as, as possible. Let me check, Layla. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. And also they play uh, mixed doubles together. That's an interesting pair. Fernandez. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're still in the tournament, but uh, they are playing. They were they they won one match definitely, but I think it's it's actually a pretty nice double. And I was right; she was playing in on running in uh, in this year's um, US. So, what did you think of those? No, I have the street shoes. I have um, two pairs of street shoes, and uh, yeah, I must say they're really comfortable and, and nice looking as well. I I think they they're really nice shoes. I must say. I mean, they were a bit more expensive than maybe your average Nikes and stuff like that, but. The comfort was was better, I think, if, than most shoes I've tried from the other bigger brands. So uh, I think they have something there. And if they can keep pushing and get some players on the tennis side. I haven't tried the tennis shoes, though. So that would be a next thing to get into and see how they, they play. But the street shoes with their cloud tech and was, was really nice. I haven't tried them, but I've heard that the tennis shoes are quite wide. That would be cool to try. All right. Yeah. We're running out of time here, and uh, I think uh, we've covered quite a lot. Yeah, cool. Jonas, uh, thank you. And um, the next one will be about the winners. Then summarizing the tournament on Monday. Cool. All right. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, man. Thank you.